Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I'm Meg Walter in studio today with Nick Morley and Eli McCann. Hey, fellas. Good morning. Welcome. What have you been watching? Survivor. Oh, yeah. Survivor's going on. Season 95. (laughs) Doing real well. Uh, But what I'm here to talk about today, mostly, is this weekend I discovered that Skylar had never seen the most important film of our lifetimes, Big Business, starring Bette Midler. Oh, come on. I've also never seen it. Never Big seen it. Come on, you guys. Sorry. How have you not seen I'm this so movie? Sorry. It's 1988. Bette Midler and um, what's her name, who's in Frank and Gracie and uh, Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin. Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin both play twins, like they each have their own twin. Both sets of twins are born in the same hospital okay, on the wait. same. Hmm? Are Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin playing identical twins? Are they parent trapping it? No. Bette Midler has a twin and she's playing both parts. Okay, that's what Lily I Lily mean. Tomlin has a twin and she's playing both okay. parts. And both sets of twins are born in the same hospital on the same day, but the nurse accidentally puts one of the twins in one bed and the, you know, she mixes up the twins. So the parents take the two kids home and they think they're just raising not identical twins. And so there's a country pumpkin version of this Lily Tomlin, Bette Midler twin set, and there's a big business city version yes. of the Lily Tomlin, Bette Midler. Yes. And eventually their paths cross because the business people are about to buy the town that the country bumpkins live in or something, or they're selling the town. I don't really know. And they all have to come together in New York City, and it's shenanigans ensue, and it is amazing. It is the greatest film of our lifetimes. Wow. I need you to watch it. Goodbye, Citizen there, Kane. Move there over. Because so, they're all staying in the same hotel, and there are so many close calls where they like walk past each other oh, and don't, sure. almost don't notice. Yeah. And, and there are like two musical numbers in this thing. <laughs> Great. I was smiling so hard during this that I thought I was going to have to be hospitalized. Were you doing that thing where you're showing someone a beloved movie to you, and then all of a sudden you're kind of nervous, and you keep looking at them like to make sure that they're liking it? And you're like, is this weird? Weirder than I remember. This is weirder than I remember. Well, kind of the worst feeling. It was actually sort of the the inverse of that because I put it on. Skyler told me he'd never seen it. I was like, what? And I was like, this is the weirdest freaking movie ever. You're gonna hate it. Yeah. And I put it on. And as it was going, I was like, this is actually delightful. And about three quarters of the way through, Skylar, who is a very tough critic, mm-hmm. suddenly screamed, this is the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so he ate it up. And then he's been talking about it for like three days. It is a good flick. Okay. Well, the name again. Big Business. Big Business. Of course it is. <laughs> Check out Big Business. Anything else? Uh, you know, Madam Secretary. I'm almost done with Ozark. Hey. I'm almost ready Good. to finally talk to you about Ozark. It stresses me out. That will take a whole episode. Yeah. Meg, are you going to watch that? Uh, I keep almost watching it. It's so stressful. I uh, See, that's... People keep giving me recommendations, though. I just wrote down two yesterday that people keep telling me to watch. Do you, Have you guys seen Maniac? Yes. Good? It's awesome. I think maybe we talked about this last week yeah, for a we minute. Did. Yeah. Okay, so I should watch it. And who's in that one? Uh, Emma Stone, Jonah Hill. That's that one. Okay. And it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Okay, I'll watch. I'll watch that, and then Forever on Amazon, which I think you. Yeah, I'll get to that. Didn't you say it was a snooze? Well, I'll get to it. Okay. Well, I'm done. Do you want to get to it now? Uh, yeah. So I did. I finished Forever. Well, last week I had watched the pilot, 
and the pilot was slow, and I wasn't sure I was going to stick with it. I stuck with it, and I'm glad that I did. Yeah. Oh, good. It is a different take on the afterlife by a lot of the same writers as The Good Place. So the jokes are kind of similar. However, the tone is much darker. Okay. And it's very much grappling with the uh, terror that is living forever. Oh. Uh, And, like, as a religious person, you know, I believe in eternity and I believe we live forever. And every once in a while when I think about that, I get real panicked. I'm like, what am I going to do? Forever. Forever. There are tons of jigsaw puzzles up there. I mean, and there's like a lot of Fred Armisen doing crossword puzzles. Because like, what do you do forever? So does it stress you out? It's it's stressful. The Good Place, which I know we're going to talk about The Good Place next week, so I won't go too deep. But The Good Place stresses me out a little bit in that way. And I don't know if it's even intended to, but sometimes I watch that and I'm just like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some terrifying stuff when you start thinking about the eternities. And this like just stands there and hits the terror just lets it hit it like Uh let's address this uh it's really interesting it's a really interesting take on a marriage and a relationship and the monotony of marriage i am glad that i watched it so Hmm. there are moments when you're watching where like i don't know if i can do this this is kind of boring okay i don't know that i like any of these characters but i was very happy with the end okay we've also started rewatching veep which is probably the, the best so decision yeah. good. I've ever made. Mm-hmm. I've seen every episode, and I'm still laughing to like cry yeah. at every episode. That show cannot get old because there are so many jokes every few seconds. So many jokes into every interaction, and just so much good acting. Tony Hale in that show <laughs> is <laughs> probably the best thing that's ever happened to television. <laughs> yes. So rewatching Veep. Couldn't be happier. Mm-hmm. Nick, what are you watching? So, uh, Evil Genius. Still haven't finished it yet, oh, but mm-hmm. highly recommend it if you're into the documentaries and just weird, batshit crazy type of stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, and last night, uh, my wife goes to see a movie, went to go see A Star is Born. So okay. I was fully supportive of her going and, and doing that. So I put the kid to sleep and the evening was... Wide you know, open. Mm. Uh, decided to watch <laughs> Cruise at HBO. Decided to watch The Phantom Thread. No, <laughs> Nick, why didn't you talk to me first? I could have stopped that. I could have stopped that from happening so, for you. So I wanted to bring it up today. Um, this is the most referenced piece of media in this room because I follow this. I follow this Twitter account that is Phantom Thread out of context. Yeah, <laughs> and it do, it makes no more sense in context. And now you know. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. So I I keep on seeing these things on Twitter, and I'm like, damn, I need to watch this movie. So put it on, and it's on for like a half hour, and I'm thinking, so this like really made some noise in the Academy Awards, so I'm like, I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> uh, I did not finish. You? Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. How far um, did you get? So I got... Because um, it's super boring, super boring, and no, then super Meg. wacky. No, it, <laughs> no, I did not. It so, doesn't so, get wacky, so Meg. wacky. <laughs> That's why I wanted to kind of stick with it, because I was like, all right, first of all, it's Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. The guy is a nut job when it comes to his movies, so yeah. it's like something has got to give here. Like, it's got to... And it's Daniel Day-Lewis, too, so he's like, it's not like a crappy actor, so I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to... I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. No. Um, can anybody here convince me to to keep watching? No. Okay. 
Did you get to the part at least where they're walking on the beach and he says, "It feels as if I have been looking for you yes. for a long time." Yes. And then she says, "You have found me. Yes. Now whatever you do, do it carefully." I when that happened, I literally scream laughed in the theater. I was like, "What is this movie?" <laughs> She, what she said was like totally non sequitur. It made no sense. There was a couple sitting in front of us that got up and walked out. It is the worst movie I have ever seen. At least Jurassic World had dinosaurs. I liked it. So Meg, Meg told me, spoiler alert, don't see this movie, but spoiler alert if you're going to. Meg had told me, like, it's really boring. Stick with me. <laughs> because the last ten min- five minutes are bonkers. That was the word she used. So the whole movie, it's just like this couple having these non-sequitur conversations that are so boring. And then in the last five minutes, she gets out some poisonous mushrooms and she starts putting it in his food. And he sees it and he's like, hmm. And then he eats the mushrooms. And that's how it ends. And I was like, that wasn't bonkers. Like, just compared to what happened, at least like something finally happened in the movie. But it was so stupid. So stupid, Meg. I mean, I'm, what, do you, what do you want me to say? Why do you love that movie? <laughs> I didn't love it. You have I been very defensive it. of that movie. Well, I think that you're missing what it was about. <laughs> what was it about? Like a douchebag and like how horribly he treated everybody in Ugh. his life and Ugh. the harm that causes and her weird way of getting revenge. Ugh. Interesting fact, Paul Thomas Anderson married to Maya Rudolph. Really? Get out of here. Serious? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that funny? Strange. I know. So, full circle. Huh. Because she's on forever. Yeah. Well, I'm done. So, let's talk about First Man. Let's talk about First Man. All right. I'm going to start by giving a little bit of a disclaimer. I am super pregnant yeah. and super emotional. And I was crying 10 minutes into this movie. Mm. Like, not just like a tear, but like. <laughs> yeah. You posted a picture of crying. yourself crying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Puffy eyes. Puffy eyes. <laughs> This movie was not what I was expecting. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a much more emotional experience than I was expecting. Tell me what you thought. I did not see that coming. First of all, I didn't know much about Neil Armstrong. And I don't know if a lot of people do uh, going into the movie, like first guy that landed on the moon. I get that. I didn't know what his family life was like. I didn't know um, about his daughter. Um, I thought that was a great piece that um, they decided to really touch on. Yeah. Um, at the beginning and at the end of the movie as well. That definitely threw me for a loop. I didn't expect it to be such an emotional movie. That was my big takeaway. I mostly liked the movie. Mostly. I give it like a 7 out of 10. Mm-hmm. I went into it expecting it to be more a more like a Apollo 13 where the movie is the mission. Yeah. And so when it got like two hours into the movie and I was like, oh my gosh, they haven't even taken off for the moon yet. I, that was like a little bit of a surprise yeah. and it wasn't a pleasant surprise. What I'll say is a lot of the movie was really boring to me and mm-hmm. really slow. The last 20 minutes were the best part of the movie. That's when they actually go to the moon. And then he comes back and the, we can talk about the final scene in a minute, which I thought was the best scene of the whole movie. But I actually didn't love the daughter stuff. And I, really? it, mostly because it felt like they were trying to force the death of a child to be a part of this story that actually had nothing to do with the story. And it, to me, it seemed like the writers were like, Okay, we're going to do this moon thing, but has he ever had a tragedy in his life that we can put into this to like manipulate some emotions? And if it was really true in the movie, they show him on the moon, pull out this bracelet thing that belonged to the daughter and throw Spoiler it into a crater. Alert, Spoiler alert. 
come on. People have to know. This is spoilers. They're going to be spoilers. Yeah. Okay, so he throws this bracelet into the crater, and he's, like, crying on the moon. Yeah. And it's, like, touching or whatever, but that didn't actually happen. And so it, I kind of came out of it, like, the writers were like, we need something emotional to happen on the moon. Oh, he had a daughter die, like, a decade before he went on the moon. Let's just pretend like he was thinking about that the whole time. And that kind of bugged yeah. me. So my read was very different. Uh, I read this movie as a story about grief the whole movie okay his whole story is a story about grief and i think there are a few things in life that can happen to you that you will absolutely never recover from Mm -hmm. and i think that losing a child is one of those things and i think that the movie was an exploration on what people do to survive after experiencing a loss that devastating and they picked the cutest possible child oh my goodness to play Karen, his daughter, who mm-hmm. dies of a brain tumor. I just thought it was a beautiful, emotional through line of the whole movie. The lengths that he was going to to recover from this grief, he literally went to the moon to try and live his life after losing his daughter, and he still cried on the moon thinking about his daughter. To me, that was the story. I agree. It was a little long. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I got lost in some of the mechanics of space travel, but I think they did a good job of demonstrating how brutal space travel actually is. Totally agree. Absolutely (laughs) was at the time. It was a brutal process. It was not comfortable. Mm -hmm. I mean, they stick them in this like pecan and try and shoot them through the atmosphere, not knowing if it's going to work. Going into the movie, hoping to see lots of like space, beautiful space imagery, yeah. there wasn't a lot of that. But I did appreciate that they did sort of all of the perspective of space travel was from inside that little can. Yeah. And they re- did a really good job at making you feel stressed about how scary of an experience it was. And I don't think until seeing this movie, I ever really appreciated how much risk and terror there was in the Apollo and Gemini missions. And how many people died. Yeah, just like death after death after a death. A lot and... of people died. Like every other scene, they were at a funeral. Yeah. One thing I had never considered, and maybe foolishly, was like what was the cost of what was ultimately a political mission, right? Like mm-hmm. we wanted to beat the Russians, and a lot of people were dying. And I wonder, had I been alive in mid to late 60s, what my thoughts would be on this effort. Mm -hmm. Because they did show something I haven't seen in other space movies. The counter culture rebelling against this. We're putting Whitey on the moon. I can't pay my bills. That was a really good scene. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that was a really good scene. So I felt like I was getting more context from this story about space than I'd gotten from Apollo 13 where it's these men are heroes and full stop, right? Yeah. yeah. This mission is heroic, full stop. Mm-hmm. Even um, hidden figures. We treated black people poorly, but it was for the greatest good, yeah. full yeah. stop. Mm-hmm. And I liked that there was a little bit of, is this worth the cost of lives and the money when the nation... I mean, that's like probably the worst time in our history, right? Mm-hmm. The 60s. Like, we were... A mess. Yeah, it was a mess. In the 1960s. I don't think the movie actually took a position on it. It more just did a good job of showing here were these people who were part of this NASA mission who really believed in it. And these are our beloved characters of the film. And here were the people kind of on the other side with actual 
pleas that make sense, and you sort of see those things just kind of hitting each other without ever taking... The, the movie didn't feel heavy-handed in any way to me. Right. In that way to me, it felt heavy-handed about the daughter, but in just exploring sort of that tension, it just seemed like documentary, you know? It just seemed really interesting to sort of see that part of it. Absolutely. Go see this movie in the theater. See it in IMAX. Yeah, see it, that's, mm. that's where we saw it, too. Um, the sounds were incredible. Um, I think you need to see it in the theater to really appreciate what the filmmakers did, probably from a Foley standpoint, to recreate what a rickety rocket is. Because I think one of the things they did really well, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I kind of forget that it was 1969. It was the 60s that they were putting, like, these very sophisticated (laughs) machines up into space. And, like, I don't think Apollo 13 did a good job of, like, because it it looked like they were, like, semi-comfortable in Apollo 13. Like, oh, this is, like, a fancy rocket. But in First Man... It's like this tiny, cramped, like the seats don't look comfortable and like the machines are clocking around. And and it's um, violent. And it's real. Yeah. Like tons of shaky cams. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> my wife was like, I'm going to get sick. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's what I was paying attention to in the theater was like all the work they put into and making you feel like you're in this death defying situation, which yeah. in other space movies, like, oh, like they're going to get out of this, but you saw like a crew die in a, in a fire, which they did a really good job of, of portraying that too. And get you getting you attached to those characters that were in their neighborhood that were over at their house. And mm-hmm. then they're, they're gone in the blink of an eye. So there were multiple times during this movie where I like whispered to myself, he walks on the moon. Like I had to remind yeah. myself mm-hmm. that this is based on a real person who does make it to the moon because I felt like he was going to die yeah. at multiple points in this movie. Even when even when they land on the moon and he's like starting to climb down, I'm like, it's about to get st- stuff's about to get real bad here. Yeah, and I was like, no, 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 this really happened. Like they get they make yeah. it through this. It's really true. Like they do. You hear the story about the moon landing, and the way we've always heard it is. Uh, we were trying to beat the Russians. We wanted to make it to the moon. We got there. We landed. Yay for America. Put the flag down. We came back and everybody cheered him. And like that's kind of the story you hear. And so this did a really good job at showing actually literally every step of that process almost didn't work. Yeah. And they almost died. And it was really terrifying. And I kept thinking when watching the movie... Uh, I wonder people who were watching it live on TV if they how many people kind of grasped that because they were seeing the news about the deaths regular regularly and they didn't know how it was going to turn out. And I wonder if that was stressful and exciting to watch it. I've always just assumed it was just exciting. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I feel like this movie gave us more context and I would maybe hesitantly guess that, yes, they knew how dangerous it was, but maybe not the full extent Mm -hmm. of how much risk was actually involved in this and I wonder if even the astronauts knew I wonder if anyone had like a full grasp on it except maybe Kyle Chandler mm. Coach T Coach, Coach Taylor. Taylor Coach T when he came on the screen I pumped my fist in the air <laughs> clear eyes full hearts never lose uh, you talked about how you get to a point in the movie where you're like oh my gosh I haven't even left for the moon yet and I was mm-hmm. kind of the same way I was like geez how long have we been in here Yeah, I do think they do a good job of not wasting a lot of time it doesn't actually take that long to get to the moon. Yeah. And then when you get to the moon, it is breathtaking. Such a yeah. such a well done scene. Especially in IMAX. I'm sure that it's great in any setting, but like you're just this giant landscape of mm-hmm. moon rock and it's silent. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's been like this really noisy, scary journey, and then it's like so resplendent mm. and 
and you see the earth in the background, this beautiful half blue, yeah. you know, shape. And and he's just like taking those steps and you're realizing as he's kind of talking about it, they don't even know what the surface is going to be like. And that kind of struck me. He like kind of puts his foot down a little bit and he's like, it seems really powdery. And I was like, oh, they didn't know that yeah. until they got there. Is he going to sink? When he, yeah, he's yeah. kind of like setting his foot down. Like, am I going to sink into this? Like, what? Very cautiously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't know what we're dealing with on this alien planet. Hmm. Uh, I thought it was very beautiful. Even though the moon landing's probably fake. Yeah, I know. That. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I wondering actually, when we were going to get there. <laughs> I do love that conspiracy theory. That's one of my favorite conspiracy mm, theories. So good. I'm happy either way. If yeah. we landed on the moon, cool. If not, like, Cool, wow. tell me more. <laughs> I want to know everything about that. Because <laughs> screw those Russians. Okay, moving on from this. Let's talk about the character of Neil Armstrong. Okay. I was often frustrated. Well, he's boring. He's very internal. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how Neil Armstrong actually was. Mm-hmm. You know? And so was it worth spending two and a half hours with this Guy who's really bad about talking about his feelings. Mm. He was very boring to watch. I think Claire Foy was great. She, she was should be in everything. Awesome. She yeah. uh, she kind of saved that part of it because often when he's being so internal and so masculine and stoic, she's being reactive and mm-hmm. emotional and a counterbalance to that. So I thought it worked. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, this is all Ryan Gosling ever plays. Yeah. It's like a stoic. He's getting that criticism figure. a lot in this. I've had like four different people say that to me now. I mean, I feel like he's getting typecast at yeah. this point. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I didn't think he was remarkable. I, he was, Neil Armstrong was the least interesting part of the movie to me. I agree. Yeah. I'd be surprised if he got a nod mm. for best actor. I won't be surprised if Claire Foy gets one. Maybe for best supporting. I don't know if she had enough screen time for. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know how those rules work. Yeah, neither do I. But Uh, they seem pretty arbitrary to me, actually. Yeah, I think it's the studio's choice. Yeah, I think it'll do well for editing. I think it'll do well for cinematography, sound mixing, everything like that. But I don't know if it's going to be one of the big timers this year. We'll see. I, I mean, know. I think it's definitely in the running for Oscars. I don't know if it will be the movie right. of the year. No. Especially, I, I mean, we've seen A Star is Born. Oof. We're about to see a bunch of others <laughs> rounding the corner in yeah. the Oscar season. Yes. I did feel like this movie, more than any other movie, made me feel like an astronaut. Hmm. The perspective was horrifying. Like, yeah. It yeah. was a yeah. very stressful movie, even that. more than like Gravity. Which was a really stressful movie. For that me. was a really stressful movie. That movie gave me nightmares. Okay, can we talk about the final scene? Yes. So I thought it was the best scene of the movie. The scene where Claire Foy meets yeah. Ryan Gosling so, while he's in quarantine. Yeah. That's so so what what happens is that they have this. Their marriage is experiencing lots of tension, mostly as a result of Neil Armstrong's inability to communicate feelings and emotions. And the night before he leaves for the mission. She gets so frustrated with him because he won't go talk to the boys. And she's like, you might not come back from this. You need to sit down and explain this to your children. I'm not doing that. If you die on this mission, I'm not going to be the one that has to tell them like that this was dangerous for the first time, you know, whatever. And she it's this really emotional thing. Yeah. And so he, he they she forces him to talk to the kids. It's really awkward. 
He finally leaves for the mission, and he leaves very clearly. They have this really kind of bad fight, and it's very uncomfortable, and they sort of have this awkward goodbye, and then he goes off on the mission. And it's very, like, actually was really intense for me to watch. Yeah. You're like, this might be the last time they see each other, and they're dealing with this. Goes and does the thing. Moon is moon landing is great, and comes back, and he has to spend 10 days or two weeks in quarantine. Three weeks. Three weeks in quarantine. But they let her go see him through glass. And the reason why I loved this final scene, there were a lot of reasons, but the main one was most of the hero returns to the wife movies are so different than this final scene was, where they'll come back from the big you know, thing that happened, and it's this huge embrace with dramatic music, and you made it, honey, and like everything's kind of good again. And they didn't do that with this. She walks into the room, and he's standing on the other side of the glass, and it's just sort of this five-minute scene of them not saying a word to each other and like looking at each other and clearly he's done this big thing but they still have this really big problem that has to be dealt with like it didn't fix the problem yeah and so he comes back to his his life and she goes and sits in front of the glass and then finally he like kisses his fingers and puts it on the glass and then puts his hand down and then she reaches up and puts her two fingers on the glass and then he touches her two fingers and that's how it ends and i just thought it was like so it was quiet and it was very emotional. Like, that was actually the only part of the movie that I felt emotional about. So what did you guys think? I Yeah, it made me reflect on, like, how it's kind of a selfish choice mm-hmm. to go to the moon, right? Mm. There's a pretty good chance you'll die yeah. and leave your wife dealing with the second death of a family member. Is yeah. that a fair thing to do to your family? And let's say you don't. Now you're a national celebrity, you're doing interviews, um, you're doing TV shows, and where does that leave your family? It kind of surprised me that Neil Armstrong would do something like that. Neil Armstrong his... actually didn't do interviews. Is that right? He okay, didn't good, talk to it's anybody. It's a good thing I asked. Um, so I wonder if that experience and the relationship with his wife, or maybe him just as a person, he didn't want to hmm. be in the public eye. I don't know. But I agree. Amazing ending scene. Great closure. She really carries that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She should be in everything. She should be. I hereby petition. She's arrived, right? Like she's like I mean, oh, she's yeah. the new Elizabeth Salander, so huh. I think probably she's great. She's awesome. She was in like at least one of the previews for the movie when I saw it yeah. yesterday. Oh, girl the, with the girl with Yeah, the, that's Elizabeth Salander. That's the character's name. Oh, oh, that's I was like I don't know who you're talking in about. In Girl with the Yeah, giant yeah so she's in that movie. By the way, Steve Carell was in like every preview. <laughs> Every preview of the movies yesterday. I love Steve Carell. I love him too. I'm but not how, mad about it. How does he? I will not see the Marwan movie. I won't. Is that the one with like the GI Joes? Yeah, yeah, I can't. No. It looks... I, I can't. He better not. That movie better not get nominated for anything because I won't. See, I don't want to see it. And I want. I want to see the movies that get nominated for stuff, but I don't want to see that movie. But he's also he's going to be in the Dick Cheney movie. Oh, that looks no, good. He's playing Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah, huh? he's playing yeah. Donald Rumsfeld. And then he's in that movie with Timothy Chalamet. Beautiful boy. Beautiful, beautiful. Is that out yet? I don't think so. I haven't seen it. Okay. That's going to be stressful to watch, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, I would recommend this movie. There are flaws. I think it's worth it. Yeah. Um, broadly recommend. It's, broadly. For it's sure. a general audience movie, for sure. Yeah, and it's PG-13. Right? It is. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a good... Good contender coming into Oscar season, and we'll be discussing more of those as the fall goes on. Uh, however, next week we will be discussing Good Place, which is back for its third season with yes, a few episodes awesome. in. 
Uh, I think we're all fans of the show, have a lot of things to say about the show. Mm-hmm. So tune in for that next week. Until then, please give us five-star ratings on your given platforms, listening platforms. You've helps got people, it. Helps people find Hive Mind and the Beehive Podcast Network, which is still young and still growing, and it's exciting, but show us some love. Until next week, we will uh, see you then. Okay. Happy watching. <laughs>